6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Switching gears, we know that industries across North America are facing the challenge of reducing their carbon footprint. We've been hearing a lot about this over the past number of years. The aviation industry, my friends, has a goal to cut total CO2 emissions in half by 2050. And a group led by the University of Alberta, by a researcher there, may have found a way to do that. Now, the researcher in question, this group, has received a $2.8 million grant from Natural Resources Canada to continue its work on a project to convert renewable materials into fuel that can be used by jet engines. How cool is that? Dr. David Bressler has been working on this for almost two decades. He joins us this afternoon. Dr. Bressler, thanks for taking the time. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Good afternoon. Yeah, it's nice to talk with you. So what, what got you interested in this? You've been working on it for almost two decades. What was it that uh, spurred your interest? Oh, this story goes back a long, long time, I guess. <laughs> I'm one of those that graduated from the science degrees that you were just chatting about. But um, I spent time actually working in engineering and working with Syncrude upgrading at one point. And okay. then in 2003, moved into a position that was cross-appointed with Alberta Agriculture and Forestry at the time to develop value-added applications for agricultural byproduct streams starting in 2003. And coming from the heavy oil sector, uh, this seemed to be a good pathway to go down. Interesting stuff. Okay, so when we talk about uh, renewable materials, just so so my so my audience understands what that is, renewable materials are what? Well, these are these are primarily in simple language. It's materials coming from our agricultural and our forestry sectors, and municipal waste is often grouped in there as well. Okay, and um, a lot of this is already turned into biodiesel fuel that can be used by jet engines. Now you're working on this this project that is to take this waste fats and oil and convert it into into biofuel. The waste fats and oils would come from where? Well, traditionally, the, the waste fats and oils we're talking about, there's really three categories we're looking at. The first one would be from the rendering industry. So these are the big companies that take all of the, when they process meat and other components, and they render and recover the fats. Um, so that's the one source we use, and, uh, and there's brown greases, yellow greases, and tallow they would talk about. Yeah. And then after that comes the really brown greases, the spent restaurant greases that are, mm-hmm. you know, globally available. There's estimates it's one to two billion gallons. That's a little harder to collect because we don't have the complex systems to bring it together everywhere. But that's that's kind of the medium range. And then the longer range is looking into things like algal fuels produced from uh, raceway ponds growing from sunlight. <laughs> so how much of a lower carbon footprint would these um, biodiesel fuels have? Well, the the biodiesel fuels, when they call biodiesel, that's a very specific kind of older technology where they stick methanol in the end of the fats and oils. Um, That one isn't, it it blends with fuels, and that one has a pretty good savings. What we specialize in is something, it's more like renewable hydrocarbons. So the product we make isn't a a blend stock. It's actually what we call a drop-in, which is the exact type of molecules that you would find in in the the oil and gas uh, uh, products. So we make diesel, gasoline, and now we're moving to moving into the jet fuel space. The carbon reduction uh, we're looking at is somewhere in excess of 85% wow. uh, from the petrochemical requirement. Yeah. 
Wow, that's something else. That's that's pretty staggering. It's a big and, number. And that's taking in cradle to grave, looking at the production of the fats and oils right through to the final application. Okay, so when we take a look at the the aviation industry, um, you know, what kind of you know footprint, carbon footprint, does it have right now? Well, it's it, estimates are obviously it's a little hard to completely track it down, but it's somewhere in the two percent ballpark range. And what makes it unique is it's not like road transportation that there's options readily available with electrification and the Teslas of the world. Aviation is going to take a bit of while to get to the same dynamics, but even more than that, if you just bought a, a six hundred million dollar airliner, you're going to want to run that system for thirty five, forty years. Yes. Um, yeah, and yeah. changing out the engines isn't that easy. Um, so it's going to look for really the, the renewable jet that we're working on is one of the only options the industry has to help reduce its footprint. So how do you how do you run this? What does it look like when you put this 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 fuel into a jet and run it or into an engine? Uh, like how do you test to see if it's going to to work? What does that look like? Well, and that's all part of the development program. So you know okay. we talked about our lab, but we're also partnering with Bob Koch in mechanical engineering and others. Uh, National yeah. Research Council does that as well. They do a lot of engine testing on the fuels to look at the performance, um, and it's more than carbon reduction. We're also looking at particulates and people talk a lot about the, the, the vapor streams coming off of the, the, the <laughs> planes. And and so that's all kind of taken into account. And the, the environmental performance of these uh, advanced fuels is actually in many cases better than the petrochemical. So it's not just about the carbon. Uh, there's some other benefits as well. Okay, so um, what happens from here then, Dr. Bressler? Well, where we are today is the, the first technologies that came out of my lab, uh, it's, it's referred to as an LTH or lipid to hydrocarbon technology. Uh, Forge Hydrocarbons licensed that, and they're in the process of constructing a facility in Sombra, Ontario right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the plan is, is we're chasing that technology with these, this, this new modification to make Biojet. Um, right now we're at the lab at kind of the one liter scale, and we're hoping to scale it up mm-hmm. uh, quickly to commercially to catch up. So if it doesn't make it to the Sombra build, we're hoping plant two or three, which we're hoping is in Alberta, um, it should be part of the, the design bid on, on that actual build. How awesome would it be if uh, that next plant landed here in Alberta? Uh, it's pretty much a big part of my life for the last 20 <laughs> years trying to build our industry here in Alberta, so it, oh, I take wow. it very personally, I'll, I'll put it that way. Does And here's one more question, just because I love the smell of jet fuel from being around uh, a lot of airplanes, does it have the same smell? <laughs> Actually, believably, it, it's very similar, except there's often a little bit of, uh, there's less sulfur and some other components, so it tends to smell more like the you would expect, and I, I should watch what I say, but the butanes and pentanes of the world, if you're familiar with that smell. Oh, Dr. Bressler, we'll be watching this closely. Thanks for making time for us this afternoon. I appreciate it. And thanks so much for the opportunity. Have a great yeah, afternoon. Yeah, take it easy now. Um, all right, so some interesting stuff there, you know, taking these, taking these, wastes the waste products the oils and turning them into jet fuel and you know is there the possibility that that could land here in uh, in alberta in the years to come he's been working on it for for de- a couple of decades now and we'll we'll see what happens a pretty a pretty big announcement earlier today about that hydrogen hub uh, we'll talk about more about that just after 3:30 and what that could mean for this province and what it could mean for the country when it comes to the amount of cash it could um, result in, the amount of jobs it could 
result in 780-496-0063. Yeah, I mentioned the smell of jet fuel. I know uh, one of our listeners, uh, he used to work on F-18s up at uh, Cold Lake, and he's always texting in about the smell of... Uh, of, uh, of 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 jet fuel and how much he loves that but you know every once in a while y- you smell something and go you know why do i like the smell of this because most people don't and i think jet fuel might be one of them i think you know i love this <laughs> again this is like just a totally different yeah we did a u-turn here but you know the, you walk into canadian tire i love the smell of canadian tire i love the smell of of tar, like asphalt, Uh, you know, every once in a while, it's like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't like this one little bit. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.